Okay. All right. So welcome to this episode of The Journey. We have a special guest with us, Kristen Herring. Kristen and I met 2013, maybe? Um, 2013, 2014. Soon soon after starting Defy. In January. Okay, in January. Soon after starting Defy, when um, I was told that I should find somebody for marketing. And I didn't really understand that because I came from the auto industry and marketing wasn't really a thing. But um, I went to dinner or drinks or something with Kristen and uh, she seemed like she would be good. We met for what, maybe an hour. She seemed like she would be a good ad and she was willing to come on for um, reasonable money. Well, less than reasonable money for you, less than reasonable money, (laughs) reasonable for me money. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. She was basically willing so basically to basically she worked for free. Yeah, basically she was willing <laughs> to work for free. So I was I thought she seemed pretty great. <laughs> and it was uh, a volunteer position. Yeah, it was a volunteer low paid position. So Kristen came on early and uh, she was a one woman marketing machine. She first started by helping me try to pull data on companies so that I could go and do the sales and so forth. She quickly transitioned into running all of our conferences, all of our booths and so forth. I was also told we should start going to conferences. And I literally would have had no idea how to set up a booth or do anything. And, um, and Kristen was genius in that and got us tons of attention. So she took on all our booths and conferences. And then for years, it was a one-woman marketing machine. Like Everybody thought we paid tons of money for marketing, but it was really more about me waking up in the middle of a night with a dream and telling Kristen and Kristen saying, you're crazy. And I'm saying, but go with it. And then Kristen would make it into something phenomenal. And (laughs) we had a lot of that going on. And then uh, as we evolved, she took over um, and continued to run and manage all the marketing department and all of our um, internal, a lot of our internal culture and games and parties and externally our conferences and branding and communications and awards and kind of anything and everything. So I, I like to say that Kristen always, I like to say that's a silly thing. What's the thing I say, Justin? I'm going to listen for it today. So forth and so on. Have I said it yet? You have, you, sometimes you say an abbreviated version of it and you just say, and so forth. Okay. Have I said and you that? have said that already. I almost, Dang. I almost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Somebody make a beep sound when I do it. Um, (laughs) And so, and so, not so forth. Um, You have to pay a quarter every time you say it. Oh, so Kristen really, in my opinion, made Defy look um, bigger than we are. And I don't say that in a negative way, but a lot of companies don't invest in marketing and branding and so forth until, dang it, I just said it. Uh, you, you do it a lot. So. I, didn't even, I didn't even notice. Okay. <laughs> and we, so we invested in branding and marketing very early on, like around my kitchen table, Kristen saying that we needed to use Defy. We had to spell Defy with a lowercase d all the time if we were going to. And how were we going to brand and all these different things that I would have never thought of. And in doing that, she, in my opinion, gave us a a great polished look, even a quirky polished look, but a great polished look to outside, to clients, to partners. And I almost said it and then was, um, you know, able to go, like I said, conferences with us and come up with all kinds of great themes. She ran our, um, our customer summits, our client summits, when they would come and make sure that we had um, interaction with our clients and that everything went well on those. And so we wanted to chat with Kristen today and hear her thoughts and opinions on how to, Im- how to brand and embrace and make a company uh, even, even larger than they are, kind of do- no matter what stage they were in, how do you, how do you Make sure to brand yourself and get yourself out there and, um, and, you know, look attractive versus being, somebody told me the other day, they worked for a company that was the biggest company you never heard of. So this is kind of the opposite, the smallest company that everybody's heard of or something like that. What, what else, what are you guys thinking, Justin and John, what else do you want to know from Kristen? Well, let's just, uh, let's let her go with that one. I think that's, that's (laughs) it. 
and so <laughs> forth. Yeah, nothing like breaking it down. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, um, I think one of the biggest things in starting out is having a leadership team that gets behind what you want to do with your brand and supports the ideas and generates the ideas. I mean, Stephanie, a, a lot, of, like you said, you would text me in the middle of the night and yes, I would be awake and um, have some great idea and we would start going with it and back and forth and back and forth until we figured out what we wanted to do. And then you were there in the booth with the baseball shirt on or um, the rock concert t-shirt or whatever it was. And that just makes a huge difference if the CEO is there and a part of it. Um, it's not just marketing by itself. Everybody has to get involved and you have to get the whole company involved in understanding what you're trying to say and what your message is and why you're different. So I think, I think that's one of the biggest things right there. Nice. But we had a fairly small leadership team at first. And as we grew it, I guess, as we grew it, people would come on and then you would just make sure they bought into everything that we were doing. But not everybody did. I mean, remember the, when Glenn first started, he did not <laughs> want to wear anything crazy in the booth. He didn't want it. But we have pictures of him dressed with, as village people. So He did eventually. Yeah, He, he, he did. eventually he, came around. Yeah, he made that, the, base, that baseball the karate, shirt. The karate theme. <laughs> yeah, that one. I could just see it in his face. But uh-huh. but he liked it. Um, and he he wore all of the things and took part in it. And, uh, you know, it made a big difference when everybody in the booth is, is a part of it. And then I think, I think the other thing as far as making a company look bigger and no, we didn't want to make it look bigger than it was um, in that it would deceive people in what they were, they were getting or the level of support was going to be um, kind of Fortune 500 level. Yeah, um, like we never grabbed a bunch of people off the street and took a picture like our team was twice as big as it was or exactly, anything. We never did yeah. that. <laughs> right. We were still very real about who we were. The thing that we did, we just, I think, always looked polished. And I think that comes from hiring a great graphic designer. And as a small company, that should be one of the first things you do. It doesn't necessarily need to be that you hire them, but that you have access to them and you have full access to them. Um, You don't want to have the admin create a flyer one time and then the salesperson create a flyer and then somebody that you hired from, well, there wasn't Upwork back then that I know of, but um, you need everything to look consistent and it needs to come from one place for a while. And you need to be super careful about when you're sending out elements of your brand, not to, to send a bad logo or a clipped off logo or a stretch logo and all of those things. And I think people are so much better with all of that now because we have so many tools to do it with, but just really paying attention in the beginning as to how you look and over overdressing basically. Yeah. Yeah. uh, That's the thing that I noticed. Um, uh, not, not having worked at Defy, but just kind of looking at your presence. Yeah. For me, it always looked, um, tight, and crisp and um yeah it just had all those elements to it there was um yeah nothing half baked about it nothing sloppy about it it was always um yeah on point and tight and professional looking and all that stuff and so um i'm kind of picky about those things and detailed about those things and i guess that that kind of sent a message to me about it and so yeah i, I don't know if that's a personality type that that you have Kristen or just, or if it's conscious or if you just, or if you go by feel and this feels right and this doesn't feel right, or just how do you think about all those details that kind of come together? Very anal. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say it's about 10 times back and forth with the designer and just taking the time to look at it and think about it 
And I'm really big on collaborating with other people and doing my own mini focus groups. Uh, I remember in my, in my first real job, not the one in the mall where I did. Don't even tell about that. Market research. <laughs> yeah, we're telling it. No. Where she filled out her own market research forms. Well, there's a little more to it than that. Yeah. But um, the CEO would take everything home and show it to his wife. And then come back and say, well, my wife thinks this. My wife thinks that. And it would drive everyone crazy, but it was a second check. It was, it was all we had, and it gave us another perspective. So I think asking different people what they think about something and just shooting it to them and getting, you know, just a quick visceral reaction um, is super important. So just not getting in such a big hurry that you have to um, get those things in and get it, get it out the door, take that extra minute and breathe for a second and look at it and make sure it's what you want to represent you. I think you said something interesting. So you said have a great graphic designer, whether it's internal or external, because if that person's doing it, then you have consistency, consistency of brand. You're not throwing it all over the place. And there probably are a lot of places within the marketing team that you can have in-house or outsource, right? Lots of different things. But but what you need internal, like the, either the person running marketing or like said so the leadership team is the personality, the culture, the feeling, that the the ideas. That I think you were saying is it's important to come internal because you know the team, the clients, this, that, and the other. And then, uh, and then you can go to your graphic designer or to your writer or to whatever it is. Cause we had, we outsourced, um, writing basically for a good chunk of the time. Right. Um, and that person, yeah. And that person had to learn our personality, but we outsourced it to a consistent person. And we weren't asking that person necessarily to generate ideas. We were coming up with the crazy quirky things and then giving it to that person, um, to, to finish it out. So there are some, some positions that probably are important to be internal and, and have somebody leading it and know it and understand it. And then some that can go either way. Yeah. Because that internal person needs to be able to give the direction to a writer or a graphic designer and portray what it is that you're going after and what your team has come up with and be able to give them the idea, but not control the outcome because those writers and graphic designers have a lot to contribute as well. And, and so you want to give them a little bit of free reign, but they are also looking for good direction. They need to be told the parameters of what you're going for. Yeah. And, and when you're a small company, and you're trying to hire, hire a team, hire leaders. Um, so I got very lucky with you that you're good at both strategy and tactically doing things. But that's a hard combination to find. And so do you think if there's anybody listening that has a smaller business that's trying to find their Kristen, trying to find their person, um, what are some things they can ask about their past experiences to see if they're really the person who's just the tactical person, the person who's just strategic, but isn't going to get into the details because I think small companies need that person. Startups need that person that can do both. Is there, is there anything that you would look for in a marketing person to be able to know that they could do both? Well, I graduated from college with a business degree with an emphasis in marketing communications. And I thought that you would instantly become a marketing director. Well, as you're interviewing out of college, you realize that's, that's not the case. Um, the jobs are marketing coordinator and marketing specialist and um, runner at an, ad, at an advertising agency. You would be lucky to get a job as a runner back then, um, yeah. just someone that ran documents all over the building. Um, and creative to clients and things like that. But um, 
I started in sales. And I think that's where a lot of my strategy comes from is in my first job, I had to sit at a desk. Well, (laughs) actually, I sat at a desk with three other guys. Four of us were hired at the same time. And we were just given a mission and told to get on the phone and start talking about our product. And I had to learn how to find leads, find the background on those leads, figure out what to say to get in the door, to get an appointment, and then how to close them. And so that's where my strategy comes from is that background of having to go through that entire buyer's journey and find my own prospects, get in the door, have a meeting and close the sale. And at that time, the product that we had required onboarding and training and each sales rep was responsible for for handling that for the clients. So I also had to um, train them on using the product. I made my money on how much they used the product. So I really wanted them to understand it and have, um, you know, understand all the reasons that it can help them so that they didn't forget, oh, I should be using this product. So again, all of that is marketing. It's just, I did it firsthand in, in a sales role for so long. So I think to answer your question, um, if there are people that you can find that have a strong understanding of the sales process. Um, that that is huge because that's really what you care about, right? Yeah, is making sales. Yeah, no, that's good. What um, what was your most so probably? Um, I say probably most uh, marketing people may may marketing team leaders maybe have some frustration in dealing with different departments or their CEO. And so uh, a lot of people probably have problems dealing with me. So what was your most frustrating moment dealing with me? With you? Um, Probably that when I'm trying to build a database of the company. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny she had an answer like ready. I was going to see which one she was going to say. <laughs> I want to know if this is one of them. So uh, we're trying to, I'm helping her prospect. And so I'm doing as much of the prospecting and the research as I can so that when she walks in the door, she, I mean, she already knows the product. It's just helping her know a little bit on the background of the, of the people she's meeting with and, trying to get all those people at the table. Right. And, um, she would fill in, you would fill in one initial, no last name, you know, the acronym for the company and in auto finance, there's a lot of acronyms and everybody is auto services, Inc. or, you know, similar names. So I would say that was probably one of them. Yeah, all the stuff I had written down was something around my lack of detail or partial notes or trying to figure out what I was saying. So voice text is probably my 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 thing I hate the most. Yeah, I don't voice voice text and like short text, like short typing. can't interpret it. I became I became known as a Stephanie interpreter. I don't think it's a badge of honor, Kristen. People would would come to me and show me the message and ask me what it meant. And I'd say, oh, well, that one's easy. That's just, you know, (laughs) meet meet me tomorrow at two o'clock. Yeah, I appreciate that. Kept me efficient. Well, you know, and I, I mean, it just goes back to how important in the beginning it is to collect all the data you can. And again, take that extra time. Um, don't, don't just rely on your Outlook emails, addresses, and send big group emails. Um, yeah. Go ahead and buck up and get a CRM system and get somebody that owns that data and they 
look up the rest of the con- of the contact information as you're building it and putting those people in clients especially i mean i know a lot of small businesses i mean this is very very beginning stages couldn't even email all of their clients at one time you know or yeah, mail them no. something you know I, mailing I your clients you know right yeah so that's a good for anybody listening from jump keep a good database and mm-hmm. and i totally agree with that i if i could go back I kept, um, I actually kept a super, super detailed sales spreadsheet, um, mm-hmm. but it was a spreadsheet and I lost it and um, we lost everything. I, and, and I no have one a brought, copy of it. You do? <laughs> when we were early on? <laughs> yeah. I think was, so. Oh, oh and, early on. Sorry. Yeah. Like probably even before you came on, just when I was mm. demoing with random, you know, people and stuff. And, and I, I thought she that. was calling me out on saying super detailed. And then she's got a copy of it and it's like all, <laughs> all the random chicken scratches. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but then even when Bryce came on, he refused just like me and he kept his stuff in a spreadsheet and then his computer crashed and he lost everything, which is odd that I did that because I did create access databases and I love, you know, keeping databases of everything. And when I had the publishing company, I kept databases of like every single piece of information. So I guess I just, you know, get, you get too overwhelmed and don't build the process. And so I agree. I would, um, certainly wish I would have kept it from the beginning and it would have been easier both on the team like you guys and it would have been easier to answer questions from you know on capital raises and private equity and venture when they were asking well how long does it take to you know to close a deal and how long and how many do you close and how many do you lose and of course we didn't have any of that data so i would definitely and, and even more importantly just the data that as a salesperson you can go back and if you are in a conversation with someone and ask them uh, about their current contract and they let you know it's going to be up in February 2022, well, that definitely needs to go in the database, right? So you are sending them some emails leading up to that time frame to get back in their, on their radar. Uh, before their contract with their with the competitor ends, so I mean, not not only for investors but for the salespeople, and that it's a hard job. I mean, we didn't get someone to manage data for a long time, and yeah. after doing that, I feel like it, it's imperative, even in the beginning, if it's a small job and um, an admin person is responsible for it. Yeah. It's it's super important. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, um, well, I've got a bunch of things like, so, so one, yeah, I see the data thing and we've talked, I'm a data guy, but I don't, I I definitely don't see data as the magic of Defy or the heart of the magic of Defy or even something that you guys outside looking in were like, had any kind of competitive advantage. I think you, that one, I think we talk about and say, yeah, you need to have Salesforce, you need to have something and you need to start gathering data. And that's what all companies need to do. And, um, and, uh, and yes, so, so I would agree and, um, doesn't matter that I agree cause I'm not the expert here, but data is table stakes in this kind of thing. Right. But, but for me, the magic of defy and again, totally from an outsider was a, a very focused, compelling, um, inspirational message that you guys stayed on point with every single year. And then um, relationship building that you guys did through conferences and through phone calls and maybe through Stephanie's even personal efforts and stuff like that. So, so the two big things, and this is from going to your summit and kind of seeing your stuff, but I dropped by one of your, um, whatever you guys call it, the Defy Summit, your annual customer meeting. And I've been to a lot of those types of meetings as customers, but yours felt, um, um, obviously had a really good vibe to it and just felt, yeah, it felt like there was a very strong connection to your customers that wasn't, and and they had a strong connection to you guys and to your product that didn't feel data driven to me based on, well, yeah, that's because we contact them one time a month as it comes up in Salesforce and we have a a method, it's sausage, it wasn't sausage making to me. So, so anyway, those two things, and I don't know, um, Stephanie and Kristen, how did you guys is that just a a natural kind of approach to things? Was that 
orchestrated or, um, and not even orchestrated in a bad way, orchestrated in a methodical, this is how we need to set that up. Just what do you guys think about what I just said about the message and the um, connection to customers and how that tied to your marketing strategy, I guess? Yeah. Right. I don't, I'll, Kristen can answer for her. I'll just answer in 30 seconds. I don't, definitely wasn't methodical. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was more of our nature because we're more heavily one run by women and women tend to, that tends to be more of that type of quality. So I don't know if it was that, if it was just our personalities, but we legitimately loved our customers and our lenders and we legitimately wanted to help them. And so I think that that come through in the marketing messages, in the branding and the everything we were doing, like we hundred percent believed in what we were doing and what we were selling and how we were helping. Uh, a lot of us had been on the lender side before, so we knew how it felt, but maybe for, maybe Kristen from the marketing side, it was methodical to, to connect and, and those types of things. What do you think? It was a plan. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yep. No, I, I mean, we, we did have a plan in that we communicated that we did care about our lenders. And we also made it clear that we were a progressive company and we spent a lot of time on research and new features and new products and that we were always going to keep growing. And then the big thing was that we wanted them to be a part of it. And we built a community and we created open ways of, of our clients being able to, to give us input and being a part of it. So when it came time to invite them to a summit, I, I hope the reason they came um, besides the party and the monkeys is that they came to provide their input and they were helping their own companies grow by giving us ideas and direction. Yeah. And transparency brings closeness too. And, and that mm-hmm. was always kind of a, a core, a core thing was the transparency. Yeah. Um, I think so too. Yeah. And so maybe, um, yeah, maybe that's the thing. And, and that's cause I've, I've worked at a number of companies and they all know we talked about this on mission and values. I think you can talk about on marketing. I think you can talk about on being a customer centric organization. And so everybody knows what they're supposed to do. The play people, how you manage your, your, your human resources and um, development, all these things. So they're just standard plays that we're all trained on and we know to run. And, and maybe I think Steph, you kind of hit on it. Maybe the, to me, the secret sauce is authenticity, I guess. Oh, uh-huh. And um, if, um, if you're authentic and in what you're trying to do, like you guys were, again, about freedom and about um, empowering uh, your customers and making them more efficient and um, making them more effective at, at what they were doing. So you guys were very genuinely about that. And then I think you were genuinely happy to see people and happy to welcome people into your community and then genuinely trying to have more fun than others or do your own, do your own things. And so, so for me, there was nothing really, um, yeah, it was all, it's all just, um, it's, it's that. And that's the, I guess the best businesses, the best, um, the best HR departments, the best, the best anything for me is if you can come from a, um, a really genuine place and um and not have to fake those things and fake that you're a dynamic progressive you don't have to fake that you're a progressive organization you just are one and kind of let that shine through in certain ways and um yeah yeah so yeah so i so i guess it's that i was going to get into new defy versus old defy where you have to kind of carry on the brand but have a, a different company that you're trying to promote the same brand for but um but yeah, probably won't go into those lands. But but I think that's that's what it's like. I've just had um, I've had organizations that talk the same talk, but you just know it doesn't line up with their core beliefs. Their core belief is how do I extract money from my customers? That's the core belief, and the core belief beyond that is how do I get rich myself? So so I've known a lot of people, unfortunately, that are that way that are out for look my my real core objective 
is to get rich. And in the process of giving, getting rich, I can help people that are close to me also get rich. So that's virtuous. The way mm-hmm. we're going to get rich is by extracting money from our customers. And the way we're going to extract money from our customers is hopefully providing a good product, but really just getting them into contract, providing product, pretending to care about them, all these things is really just, I've just been a part of some, some different kind of things that would surprise yeah. watching, you guys. I'm watching the show, The Politician on Netflix, and um, that's how he says he is. I couldn't get yeah, into and it. So, so there are organizations and people that are that way. And then there's, you know, yeah, there are well, other ways and, to do it. So anyway. And there, I mean, when we were starting to five, we really did care more about our clients and what we were building than yeah. what title we had. Or, I mean, we had people that were there to build. Um, yeah. They weren't there to climb a right. ladder in their corporate, in a, in a corporate world. I mean, I've had friends that have had jobs like that before, and that is the focus. It mm-hmm. is all about how to keep going and get that next level. And I mean, they have the levels charted out and, um, you know, that's great. And I think at a point you need to get there maybe, but um, we were definitely, fo- we, definitely know, not as motivating to me. Yeah. And we never, I don't think anybody on the team was ever focused by, oh, what's our valuation now? What's our this now? We were focused on growth, but we were focused on growth because we wanted to create a revolution. We wanted everybody to have change. And, and so you could see and feel that it wasn't like, okay, guys, we need growth. So we get to this number of revenue. So we get to this valuation. That was, that was certainly never a feeling by me. And I don't think a feeling by anybody else, but it was, we want to change the industry. We want to give lenders something better. We want to, we want to grow. And, um, and so that, that was definitely always the focus. Growth was always the focus. And then, and then of course, like a lot of startups, um, we weren't, we were losing money. Right. And a lot of times when you're building, you're building your brand, you're building, um, the following and stuff, you're losing money. We always had a path to profitability. If we ever needed to get there, you know, overnight, we always had that path. Um, but yeah, in building and trying to get a following and trying to get good products out there in the market and bring other products to the market and continue to grow. So I don't feel like those ever part of any meetings and I don't feel like anybody, on our team was ever, um, yeah, was ever focused on the wrong, like not, I shouldn't say the wrong reasons because everybody has their own feeling. No, there, and but, we, but we were still transparent about that information and yeah. it was motivating to see the growth, but you're right. Super motivating to see the growth, but it mm-hmm. was because of, we were having an impact on the industry. We were changing things, not, not necessarily because, um, yeah, we didn't talk about an exit very, you yeah. know, but, but then, that was a, that was a goal, right? I mean, from the early days, I recall that well, being a goal, like to hit our, a certain valuation and da da da. da. I'm not saying think, that that drove, like you know, I don't think that dwindled down into the team in terms of like you know yeah. skewed anybody's individual motivations. I mean, we had revenue goals and things like that that everybody was marching towards. Oh, of course, same, yeah, we but I mean, certainly goals. there were still thoughts about like, well, yeah, we want to if we're here to we're here to make money. We're not here to you know run a charity, so. Yeah, absolutely. There were revenue goals. I don't think there were ever any set goals. Like everybody always said, are you going to, are you going to sell? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Or I was like, we want to build a great product and a great company and maybe we run it for 50 years. Right. And and um, see what happens. Buy up other companies. I think we always thought that. I think we always thought we were just going to buy up other companies and grow to buy bigger and bigger through acquiring. I don't think selling straight selling or doing a strategic sale or, or even what happened. I don't think that was ever in our thought process or plan, even if the number was high. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we rallied around new clients and when we added a new client, we learned about that client. We celebrated, we had go live shots when they took the system live for the first time. And that's, what brought people in is to get excited about those new clients. And um, it might be that that client was a bigger client than we had had before, or that client was in a different industry and had a different use of the product. Um, But we would always rally around. I mean, we gave our clients a number. We knew what client was what number um, in terms of 
when they came on board. So yeah, t- talk that about was that. Fun. Talk about that for a second, Kristen. When you guys got a new, when you closed the deal, when you closed the sale, you've got new, you know, I say one perspective, you've got new revenue coming in, but you've got also whatever new client, new member of the family, whatever you want to call it. So what process did you guys go through to, um, yeah, to, to get them to, from to induct the client into Defy. Yeah. How'd you welcome yeah. them to Defy? What, what did you guys do? What was your, what was your little playbook there? Well, what were your steps? And, and, and the steps came from the team and things that worked, we amplified them and we, you know, made them a part of the, the ongoing process. And so, I mean, one of the first things is that we collected information from that client so that we could uh, be informed as to how to implement them from a technical standpoint and what they needed, what their goals were, and what their resources were. Um, you know, how fast do you want to implement this? I mean, we we would tell we would tell people um, that it was on their schedule, and so um, we would figure all that out, and then we would go out and have a on-site kickoff. And that's where, and a lot of these ideas um, came from Stephanie. They came from everybody. I mean, um, like I said, it was just organic. Well, well, I'm also thinking of the touchy feely stuff, the, um, the gift, the mug, the welcome video from the team. um, Okay. Sorry. Sorry. No, that's okay. But I just wanted you to know um, that all of these different things that we did were fun and somebody thought of them for the first time and then we just kept rolling with it but um our team would show up with a silver replica of a of an actual cowboy boot and it had a spur that spun it was the coolest thing um we ordered them special from mexico and it tied to our you know texas headquarters that we were in texas and then we would fill that boot with raffia and um, we started wine. Um, we started with um, putting grapevine wine that was made. There are vineyards in grapevine, several. Um, I took it upon myself as one of my first duties at Defy to go around and familiarize myself with each of the vineyards. <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah. I bet you did. The boot, the boot was cool. We like, I mean, the boot was cool for a while, but it, it what got annoying was the wine and the airport. Like, I, know. Yeah, I remember me and Karthik were at the airport trying to go somewhere and the, the, the lines were so backed up that we were like, we're, the line to check bags were so backed up that we'd toss the wine. We just put the boot in a carry on and then we tossed the wine and made it through. I forget what client that was. And we just bought wine when we got, when we got there. <laughs> put it back in i started getting it started getting difficult but the point of the boot was early on our very first client i told kristen we've got to have a gift like we can't show up for our first you know like implementation without a gift we, we're we're, have, we're kicking off right and so a boot kick off kick and then also and then a lot of and then it was also yes. it didn't have our name on it so there's no branding on it but it right. gave them something to put in their office and set and some of them used it to put beer caps in and some of them used mm-hmm. it just as decorations but it was just something cool. And they would look at it and they would know, they would know it was from the Defy implementation, even though it didn't have um, right. our name on it. And it was something yeah. they would be, it looked cool enough to have in your office as decoration. Yeah. yeah it's it, another relatively inexpensive thing that made us, that positioned us a little bit different, different. Yeah. Now know? the boots were not inexpensive. Well, relative, relative to, relative. relative to like what we were doing as a company, they were, they were inexpensive. Like, yeah. But, um, you know, and the only reason we didn't have a logo on it was because you just couldn't put one on it. Um, but yeah, so we had our kickoff and then we would continue with the process of implementing that client. And once they were ready to go live, we would gather in one of the conference rooms and, uh, a few of the, the team. Had, knew how to make some really good specialty um, shots, and <laughs> I won't say the name of them. And um, we would hold up the camera and video, uh, "Welcome to Defy" and "Happy Go Live," and um, 
usually we would have someone from that implementation team talk a little bit about that client and how it went and what what they were um how they were benefiting from our product so it was a learning experience as well which was which was nice because it was yeah. you know other people in the in the company don't have the opportunity to work with the client and we don't hear how they're using the product and so that was an uh, that was a really neat opportunity that that we had there um what else happened yeah, yeah. Um, kick off kick off we did videos. Kick off videos yeah at the be- i have some funny ones to probably still record it on my phone from early in the day with me uh-huh. and sean but yeah that was that was i thought that was unique um that every client would get a, a personalized video at yeah. the beginning and at the end like you said when they would go live over time, the skill, I think, went against us a little bit. So we couldn't, we made more generic ones, I think. I don't even know if they're still doing it now, but that was cool. I thought it was a good personal touch. And we fun. thought when we first started doing it, we thought about not doing it because they weren't professional. And then we just decided, like, are we going to wait and try to get this perfect and polished? Or are we just going to do something? And so we would always start with uh, the sales team member saying, it's been great working with you through this. Thank you so much. Da, da, da. And then it would go to the implementation team and they'd introduce themselves which was important because to see a face of the person that you're going to be working with. And then, um, and then of course the entire company that was, that was taped ahead of time. But uh, we thought about not doing them because they weren't professional, decided to go ahead and send them. And I think everybody from small to, to big company, you know, liked the, the personal hello and personal touch, even if they were a little bit goofy. Yeah. I think personal touch can win out over um, quality, polished work. I mean, doing something is better than doing nothing. Yeah. And yeah, I think all those things put together really um, just helped establish a connection. And then you have the ongoing um, communications with the implementation team. You've got your conference. You just just establish this relationship up front and just kind of keep rolling with it. Um, And you guys did that really, really well in really creative ways. And I see, um, obviously, I see Stephanie's fingerprints all over that stuff and then uh-huh. and then you you too because you guys are little mad scientists and that, so that that was kind of my my other question is um so stephanie is an is an idea girl and an action girl and you're definitely the same exact way Kristen. big ideas and big raw core skills to do stuff and make things happen and orchestrate it and all that stuff so so both of you are like that so and your ideas can get pretty wild. And, and again, you know, me being on the sidelines for your conferences or for even a freaking Ooh, office visit, Stephanie's internet? always trying to plan. She, uh, I don't know. Um, and so, so what am I going to bring the client or for your conferences? Okay. What's our theme going to be? How are we going to dress? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And all these details. So how did you guys make your way through such a broad and diverse brainstorming process that you guys would have about a year or an event or whatever it is. How did you guys reel it in from all this crazy brainstorming and, um, and really the capability to do a lot of the things you brainstorm into kind of putting a point on it, focusing and executing on what you choose to do. There was no How us guys, guys on that. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I How did you turn that into action that. and what you're really going to do? Um, yeah. we waited until the last minute and then <laughs> they were forced to narrow it down. <laughs> then we had to decide, no, 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 we would, we would start talking about for Defy Summit, we would start brainstorming at the summit for next year. I mean, we were at the summit saying, okay, this is good. It could be this. We could also do this. And we were capturing notes and we would have a meeting directly after the DeFi Summit and go through all of that feedback and start right at that moment, kind of, I mean, it starts with, it always started with, what do we need to say? What do we need to communicate this year? What do our clients want from us right now? Right? Yeah. Yeah. But then which one of you guys focused the other? Did, did Stephanie, did you just no. puke out a bunch of yes. ideas and say, take what you like, Kristen, and yes. come back to me with what you like? Or yeah. 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 No, I didn't focus her. She focused me for sure. Yeah. Well, we, we, it was kind of a two way puke. Um, yeah. She had, <laughs> yeah, but she was able to pick up all the puke and turn it into something and, and 
and tighten with, it up. Yeah. I wasn't well, able with, to do that. And with the team um, that we had um, at Defy, it was a process that we would, you know, get in a room and just talk through all the ideas. And um, we had a lot of good creative people in the room and um, kind of polish it until something something made sense and things evolved. I mean, we didn't, you didn't come out with the entire plan from one meeting. You'd come out with a little bit of it and you'd have to do some research to find out if, um, you know, camels are actually available to go to office buildings (laughs) and things like that. Um, you know, what speakers could we get that tie to that theme? And so things would evolve organically as we researched as yeah. well. And Kristen had lots of good people and she ended up with pe- good people on her team. Right. So, mm-hmm. but when she had no people, I would puke out the ideas. She, she could take them and turn them into something. She had out, you know, the couple outsourced people to help and stuff like that. And when she mm-hmm. did have a team, my, my puking out, call it a 10 she would take and make an eight, but Chris and I bet your team would still say when they got it, there was a lot, right? Like they, they would say they probably like, um, it just, it started as a lot. And then you and the whole team had to kind of yeah. whittle it down after, after brainstorming and, you know, maybe Dallas doing two or three, four five, six iterations or, mm-hmm. um, whatever the theme, whatever the focus was, you're just more brainstorming and, and narrowing it down. But, um, but yeah, yeah somehow come, it always happened. We would come up with three to five concepts per campaign, per summit, per not per trade show, because we we did a new campaign each year. So we would come up with one campaign that we would carry out through the whole year. So we would do quite a bit of um, mocking up and talking through different ways to do things before we landed on anything. Yeah. So I guess with that, with that pause, um, <laughs> Are you we should probably tie this one, tie this one up. Do you guys have any final? Well, we didn't even get to hear any of her backstory, like where she's from, oh, so we can make yeah. fun of her or any of that. <laughs> All right. We'll do, we'll, yeah. we'll do that next time. Pull this, pull, All right. pull, pull this up with your backstory. My backstory. Um, so my um I went to University of Oklahoma. Where were you born? Let's start there. I was born in Morocco, Kenitra. This is not the way you close out. Morocco, Africa. Let's start at the beginning as we close. Everybody can hang up right here if they don't wanna wanna hear. No, no, no. Keep going. You have two yeah. minutes to go to your entire history. That's, okay. It's interesting. Okay. Who would have guessed that Kristen was born there? I Nobody. was born in Morocco. Yes. Um, and only lived there until I was maybe two, almost three. Um, I was, my father was stationed in Kenitra. It was a military uh, communications base during Vietnam. So we were over there and my mom, um, guess had a nice life there as an officer's wife and we lived on a base and it was um on a beach and that's all i know don't really remember it but um you know i i have a hard time with my backstory because i feel like i have so many stories and so um i don't know so many cool places <laughs> i've worked I'm, so is I'm that a good sure. way to get out of it yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> I don't mind telling it, but it, it is kind of long. All right, fine. Yeah, fine. Make, make but, but now you have KH Consulting, Marketing Consulting Services. Would mm-hmm. you like to to tell people where they can get a hold of you? You can plug it. Yeah. Yeah. So KH Marketing Services and my website is kristenherring.com. And Kristen is with all eyes, no E's. And herring is with an E, not an A. So um, cleared that up, the common misspellings. So yes, I am uh, offering marketing, consulting, and branding and strategy services. And 
Are you, uh -huh. Is the going rate still what Stephanie was paying you back in the day of, <laughs> of free? <laughs> it is still a volunteer position. <laughs> I, I did interview for my first job out of college, and they asked me um, what I what I wanted to make. I was like, I have no idea what you how, how to answer that. And he said, Oh, uh, and I I, I said. Um, I don't even know what I said, but he said, oh, okay. So, so you do understand this is a volunteer position, <laughs> but I ended up working. I ended up working for that company for eight years. It was an amazing experience. It was, it was a Best internship anyone could have. Exactly. But it was, it was a defy and we had, uh, you know, I learned a lot there about building culture. Um, that's where I was in sales for the majority of the time. And then I became the director of marketing, and we had a product that no one understood or knew. And we broke out into the market with an online service, and it ended up being purchased by Bell and Howell. And it seems like that's a common story with a lot of the companies I work for. They end up being purchased or merged or Sure Something fault. big happens, so that's a good thing. Yeah, awesome. Very nice. Well, we appreciate well, you getting on our happy hour journey podcast and so forth. And so on. <laughs> and so forth and so on. <laughs> nice. Thank you for having right. me. It was fun talking with you all. That's yeah, a wrap. That was wonderful, Kristen. Thank you very much. Thank well, that's you. a wrap. It's a wrap. Thanks.